Thanks for checking out this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. This podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. Well, joining me for this episode of the podcast, one of my favorite people on this or any other planet, folks. <laughs> and somebody that I'm very grateful to say has been part of my life for more than two decades, the one and only Les Sinclair. Hello, sir. Hey, thank you very much. <laughs> Glad to be here. Great to have you uh, on the podcast again. It's been a while. It has. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's not your fault. Hopefully in the new year, we'll figure out a way to make it happen more often. Well, one of the things this being recorded, of course, in uh, 2021 is that I'm part of the great resignation. So I've got more time on my hands now. So we should crank out a bunch of these things. Excellent. We thought we would spread a little holiday cheer as we head into the end of 2021 and talk about a Christmas classic that I can't believe it's been this long that I've been doing this podcast and have not discussed this movie. Today, we're going to talk about Elf. Yeah, I was really excited when you suggested this one because yeah. it is one of my favorite movies. Although there are some people that I've discovered that are not fans of Will Ferrell and just don't like the movie because Will Ferrell's in it. You know, it's funny about Will Ferrell. I'm glad you, you said that because he was somebody that at one time I was more like, you know, small doses are better for Will Ferrell. Like, I loved yeah. him on Saturday Night Live, and I've enjoyed some of his other movies. This movie, I always liked his performance and, and always thought he was the perfect guy for it. I have really become a big Will Ferrell fan, and I think a lot of it has to do with the movie Step Brothers. My brother oh, turned yeah. me on to that. Have you ever seen Step Brothers? Yeah, I, I, I'm not that attracted to it. <laughs> That's funny. See, I think he's great in that. And the the chemistry he has with uh, John C. Riley in that is fantastic. But this movie, I think he's the perfect guy for the role, and, and he's great in this. And I think the thing about him that I love the most in this is that he's so over the top. He's so one million percent committed to being this character. You got to appreciate that. And it's amazing to think about these characters, these roles, and that if somebody else were doing them, it would be a completely different movie. I know that they were considering Jim Carrey for this role. Right. And, and the movie took 10 years to make, too. So it was just the perfect time for him. It was the perfect time for John Favreau. And it's just the way things, the cosmic universe brings things together at the perfect time so that you get a Christmas classic like this. Yeah. Released November 7th, 2003, written by David Berenbaum, and this was his first ever script. He wrote it as a spec script. In other words, he wasn't paid to write the script. It was just something that he wrote. It was very personal to him because he had lost his dad when he was like eight years old, and the story about finding and connecting with a father was very personal to him. It's kind of cool that a Christmas classic is written by a nice Jewish boy. Yeah, you know, that's true. So directed by John Favreau, and at, and at the time, he had only directed one other movie, a movie called Made, that he co-starred with Vince Vaughn in. He's gone on to be like a very successful director now, including, uh, it, I know he directed the first Iron Man movie, among other things. Yeah, he's a major producer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. Yeah. So he's not only directing, but he's also producing them. Yeah, and he's also uh, a big part of The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, the Star Wars series. One of the things that I love about Jon Favreau is his lack of use of technology. There's a lot of great technology, but even in Elf, he did a lot of these practical effects as opposed to spending a lot of money on CGI, and he does that in Mandalorian, too, and I think that's really kind of cool. Yeah, I think part of that was because uh, in 2003, the technology 
was starting to happen, but it wasn't what it is now. And he really didn't want things to be dated or to look antiquated yes. or whatever. And I think using the practical effects really does give this a timeless feel. One area where the CGI actually works in this movie is the snowball scene. Oh, yes. This is the great scene where they're in the, the park and uh, and they're being chased down by the thugs and hooligans who are uh, <laughs> pelting them with snowballs. Yeah, it's like they're just walking and having a conversation and all of a sudden, <laughs> Will Ferrell gets hit Out in the nowhere. face. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a nutcracker. But that scene is actually very important, not only because visually it's very cool, but also because it's sort of a turning point in his relationship with Michael, his stepbrother, because after that, they're buddies. The CGI in this was really incredible too because the way they shot that scene mm -hmm. was they had him go through it and throw some things slowly and then they had him go through and just hold his arm down to the side and make the motion with his shoulder as if he were throwing because they were going to take his arm out and replace it with the digital he's like a machine gun and then the guy gets away at the end and there's one last bomb it's you know it's like a 40 yard throw it's yeah. fantastic yeah that's a great scene I got the elf Infinifilm version. Oh, nice. It's really kind of cool. Yeah. And so you can plug in while you're watching the movie, you can click through in other little vignettes of things that are taking place. And he was talking with Rusty Smith, who is the production designer in this one take. And, and one of the things that John Favreau wanted was a feel of like, it's a wonderful life. And I, I think there were a couple of other movies and he wanted that feel. And the production designer said, well, you realize that those are all black and white movies mm -hmm. so you notice throughout elf there's a lot of black and white in the background especially in the north pole because of that feel of black and white movies yeah i think they did a really good job of uh paying homage to the classics from the holiday season. Of course, Rankin Bass, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is featured prominently in this. But then there's also references to Christmas Vacation with the oversized tree. There's um, the scene where Buddy's on the bridge, which is right out of It's a Wonderful Life. So yeah, very smart to kind of harken back to the classic Christmas movies and shows and then put his own stamp on all that kind of stuff. Hey, wait, there's one other connection here too. And that's the shoot your eye out with the BB gun. That's right. You know, he's uncredited in this movie. Oh, really? Maybe Ming Ming is not in the credits at the end of the movie. Oh, I didn't realize that. And that's, uh, you know, obviously Peter Billingsley yes. is great in the cameo, you know, as one of the elves. And he's the little kid in a Christmas story that'll shoot your eye out with the BB gun. That's right. So the movie stars Will Ferrell, as we mentioned, James Caan, Zoe Deschanel, Bob Newhart, Ed Asner, and Mary Steenburgen, who, by the way, plays Will's stepmother and coincidentally also played his mother in 2008's Step Brothers. So who would have thought that she would be his mom twice in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> she's been in some incredible movies too. Yeah. when you think about her legacy I mean Back to the Future stuff I mm -hmm. mean, she, she's just done a lot of really big movies where she's a player and maybe she's the good luck charm who knows maybe and she's been in other Christmas things too she was in Four Christmases but yeah um, everybody's really good in this movie I know that when um, they brought James Caan in originally they were a little concerned because he sort of had a reputation for being hard to work with and when you got a guy like Will Ferrell who is so over the top goofy and then you got the opposite of that in James Caan. They weren't sure how that was going to work. It could end up being a real silly movie without the heart. And I think, you know, the relationship he has with the character that James Caan plays in the movie, in addition to the gravitas that James Caan brings to the cast, really solidifies this as a Christmas classic. Well, I think there was some real life tension between James Caan and Will Ferrell as well. My guess is Will Ferrell did that intentionally. Yeah, I think uh, at one point, like he really got under James Caan's skin a little bit. And then they, you know, he sort of used 
use that in the performance, James Conn. So it worked out well. <laughs> the tickle fight was yeah. apparently really bad. Yeah, I guess James Conn was probably not used to working with somebody like Will Ferrell, you know, because he's been in The Godfather and Misery, like real serious stuff. And, you know, yes. Will Ferrell is so over the top in this movie that it's probably a lot, <laughs> I would imagine. So an estimated budget of $33 million, it grossed about $176.6 million in the U.S., $223.8 million worldwide. It's funny because while this movie has become a Christmas classic, I didn't realize that it had done so well at the box office, too, because a lot of times that happens. For example, A Christmas Story, which is obviously a classic, TBS or whoever runs it 24 hours straight every year, you know, that movie didn't do shit at the box office. So it's kind of interesting that this was also a box office success in addition to becoming a Christmas classic. No wonder they wanted to do Elf 2, right? Yeah. <laughs> Will Ferrell didn't want to do it because he thought it just would be sort of pathetic by the time they got around to it, like he was too old to squeeze into those tights. They offered him like $29 million too, to do it. Like, think about that. The guy could have made basically what this budget was to come back for the sequel. I'm glad they didn't. Sometimes some things are better left as one. Yeah, and, and it really turns it into a classic instead of a, a series. The classics are really standalone. When you get something gold like that, just let it be gold. Yeah, John Favreau had a real vision for this film too. When they first approached him to direct, he had three visions, three important things that he wanted. First, it had to look like the classic Rankin-Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special. I mean, not just the animated stuff in the beginning. Also, the costumes that all the elves on the North Pole wear were certainly based on that. It had to be a family film. At the time, Favreau had a toddler, and he really wanted to make something that, as his son was growing up, he could share with him. And then it had to be a timeless Christmas classic. And it is. There's nothing in this movie that makes you go, oh, that takes place in X year. So it's yeah. great. The way this movie came together is kind of cool, too. Obviously, New York features prominently in the movie. It's tricky when you have a, a certain budget. So they ended up doing a lot of like guerrilla shooting, which I always love stories like this. When you hear about yeah. like, you know, the director, the main actor and, and one cameraman just kind of running around New York getting shots. You know, they caused some traffic accidents uh, in the Lincoln yes. Tunnel. Can you imagine you're driving in the Lincoln Tunnel and there's Will Ferrell in a big elf suit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure that Will Ferrell was that famous at that time. But if you could imagine a six foot three elf standing in the Lincoln Tunnel, I can imagine how that might be distracting. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was pretty famous for SNL probably but yeah he hadn't really done movies he had one movie yeah. he had um, old school and which was another issue because you know his role in old school was like this frat boy kind of mentality and so they weren't really sure how that was going to translate to a family holiday movie but it worked out well the final day of shooting in New York City it was just Favreau, Will Ferrell and a cameraman and just looking for locations in New York that would identify the city as New York so they're jumping out, you know, in traffic and asking pedestrians, you know, hey, you want to be in a movie for some quick cash? Very funny stuff. They just managed to uh, to get all this New York stuff. And some of this stuff was totally off the cuff, like a shot they call the Tootsie shot, where he's walking down the sidewalk and there's just a crowd around him. Like none of those people are extras. That's all just real New Yorkers going about their business. And there he is walking down the street in that outfit. I guess in New York, that's normal. You know, some dude in an outfit like that. <laughs> Nobody cares. Even him like running up to the man in the red suit. Yeah. That was totally impromptu Santa. as well. He's in the crosswalk. He's Santa. And then he, his reaction is like, oh, you're not Santa. I mean, it was, 
That was a fantastic moment. I also really like the moment where he's going back and forth between the two guys handing out the leaflets. They're like, okay, all right, you're done, man. Yeah. That was probably a real thing where he just annoyed people. Yeah. I think his level of commitment is mind-boggling sometimes. And in this movie especially, he really ate like all that sugar-filled stuff. As I understand it, the first time he had uh, the spaghetti with the, the maple syrup. syrup. Yeah. They, yeah, they had to do two takes of that because the first time didn't, well, work out so well. It came yeah. back up, let's put it that way. Yeah, just disgusting. And then the scene uh, where he's at the doctor's office eating the cotton balls, which turns out it was just you know cotton candy undyed. I didn't realize that. And I was watching this movie yesterday going, <laughs> is he eating cotton balls? That can't be good. No. You know? <laughs> so that was movie magic that even fooled me. That's a great scene, too. Not just because it's funny watching him eat the cotton, but just how he's acting like a child would at a doctor's office. Yes. You know, yeah, squirming when he gets and the, the finger stick as yeah, well. Yeah. And and he does like many children's reaction. It's ah! that delayed. Yeah, but it's the I open my mouth yeah. and can't yell until I yell. If you look carefully, James Kahn turns away from the camera because he almost breaks. He almost cracks up in that scene, <laughs> which is very funny. And I actually read too that Will Ferrell had really bad headaches while making the movie from eating all that sugar. So oh, like wow. talk about a guy like going for it for his art. Very cool. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, Jason, yeah. is actually at the beginning. And this has nothing to do with New York, but it's on his way to New York. Yeah. And when he meets the the raccoon yes. in the, in the uh, forest and you see that in, the, in that moment, you're going, oh, don't mess with the raccoon because you know what's going to happen. <laughs> and it happens. And it, it was a great scene. Yeah. I, I love all that stuff in the North Pole and the characters and stuff. I love that John Favreau did the voice of the narwhal. Yes. Good luck finding your dad, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, you know, the other really cool part about this movie, too, was mm-hmm. the force perspective. Yes. Because they had essentially two sets, right? They had the one set that had to be two thirds bigger mm-hmm. than the other set. So, every, you know, they had to make special etch-a-sketches that were 150% bigger than the, a real etch-a-sketch so they could film them properly. It's very fascinating how they did the forced perspective stuff. In fact, uh, there's a great show on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us, and there's an episode for Elf. I highly recommend, at the very least, watching that episode. All the episodes are good. For this movie, very cool to see exactly how they did that stuff. I love the scene with the Jack in the Box where he's testing the Jack in the Boxes um, yes. at the North Pole. And that, by the way, was uh, was real reactions. John Favreau was using a remote control to trigger the boxes. So Will Farrell didn't know when they were coming. So, you know, boy, it, what a sadistic toy Jack in the Boxes yes. are. Yes, indeed. What a terrible and thing to give a kid. The laugh coming out of the Jack in the Box was mm-hmm. actually used in another Disney film, Lady and the Tramp. I think it was. The, yes. Anyway, it's the hyenas in 19. 19- 55. So yeah. The sound effect was already there. Very cool. I love when they repurpose stuff like that, too. You know, we were talking about like that Jim Carrey at one time was sort of attached to this. And, and originally when the script was written, they wanted Chris Farley to star in the movie. Boy, that would have been a different movie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I love Chris Farley, but I don't know. I, like I said, Will Ferrell is perfect for this. Jim Carrey probably would have been great, too, because he's another one that's very good at physical comedy. There's something physically about Will Ferrell that's different from Jim Carrey and his face. There's something about him, the curly hair. I don't know what it is. He just sells this kind of stuff so well. And it's so much fun to see him do his thing. The difference between Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell for me, one of the big differentiators is that Will Ferrell has this mischievous 
innocence about yes. him. You know, it's like the part where he goes, Santa, I know him, you know, and, <laughs> and, and you, you can't really see Jim Carrey doing that as an innocent. Right. And you get that, that baby face sort of childlike Ness from Will Ferrell. That yeah. I don't think you could get from Jim Carrey. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing too, Wanda Sykes was originally supposed to play the Gimbal's manager and she backed out at the last minute. She's replaced by Faison Love, who um, is very funny. You know, I like him a lot and he's worked with uh, John Favreau and other things too. I love the fact that he's wearing Wanda Sykes name tag. Exactly. Which is something I yeah. never noticed before. Yeah, and that was his idea. He was like, "Well, you know, don't don't get those reprinted. Just I'll just wear Wanda on there." <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I I have to admit I was watching the movie after I read that I was watching the movie imagining Wanda Sykes in that role, and I got to tell you, it would have been even funnier with her because she's so good at, at that kind of stuff. Now, I also read that Chevy Chase was briefly considered for the Papa Elf role that Bob Newhart plays. Will Farrell said, no, thanks. Uh, I worked with Chevy when he guest hosted Saturday Night Live when I was in the cast and he was the worst. And Chevy I've heard Chase that about him. Chevy does have that reputation as yeah. well, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. he, he can be really abrasive to people. Especially if he's not the star of a movie or a star of a show. Like, I know he was a, a pain in the ass to work with on the TV show Community with Joel McHale, too. I guess Chevy Chase has a pretty high opinion of himself. I like Chevy Chase, but I'm not a fan of anybody who makes people's life uh, difficult on a movie or TV set. What's the point of that? Yeah. The scene in Gimbal's Artie Lang yes. uh, is playing Santa, mm-hmm. which, you know, you're going, Artie Lang? Who's a comedian? If, mm-hmm. you, if you don't know who Artie Lang is. Yeah, he was on Mad um, TV a while back. So they get into this fight, which I just think is phenomenal. You sit you know, on a throne, throne of, of lies. lies. Yes. <laughs> you smell like beef and cheese and... <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic that was one of the rare incidents that they used green screen yeah in this because they couldn't have the kids around it was too dangerous for them during the, the fight scene <laughs> yeah and they they edited them into the scene and post but i know that they also did one take of that because they destroyed the set and you can't do that more yes. than once who's going to want to reset all, all those, those lego yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, Will Farrell's brother Patrick is one of the security guards that keeps throwing him out. And John Favreau's son plays young buddy sitting on Papa's knee, too. Another thing that I thought was very cool, the exterior shot of the apartment where uh, Walter Hobbs and his family live is the same building where Dana Barrett lived in Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. Oh, cool. That's yeah. so cool. The interior sets of the apartment, also the police station, the orphanage, and the offices of Greenway Press were all shot in a closed-down mental institution in Vancouver, British Columbia. The same institution, by the way, that was used in uh, a bunch of horror films, including one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. So that's kind of cool that they uh, were able to make that believable as those places. I understand they thought it was kind of creepy, but then it all worked out and that they went, wow, this is actually really good, useful space. The shots of the North Pole were done in a public skating rink. They needed the huge expanse. There was a, a hockey scene uh, that they didn't put in the movie at all. They cut that part out. Uh, it made Buddy look a little mean. Yeah, I <laughs> so, think so. They took that out. Yeah, I think part of it was the pacing too. Um, that's is that an extra on the the, the DVD by any chance? It is. You actually okay. get to, get to see the whole scene. He looked like a very you know six foot three guy playing against elves, and <laughs> he was the hockey player. So you're going, oh, it's hockey, and he you know he won. 
and and some elves took some damage. I got to think it's pretty funny, though. But I guess they had enough of those kind of jokes where he, an oversized elf in a small world, you know, that they didn't want to, yes. like, you know, slow down the movie too much. Well, and you don't want to be mean to elves. Right, right. And that was another thing, too. The movie originally, they had some of the other elves bullying him, you know, because he couldn't keep up, like, making etch-a-sketches and things like that. Yes. Yeah. But eventually they changed that, too. Again, it all goes back to they wanted this to be a really good family movie. So, yeah, if you, if you have people being mean to him, other than like in New York, which, you know, it sort of makes sense that people are going to be mean there. I can understand why they took that stuff out. Yeah. Wholesomeness is it's good. Yeah. The only time that it's acceptable for somebody to be mean to an elf is when Miles Finch unleashes his fury on Buddy. <laughs> this was a great scene in the uh, boardroom there as they're talking about the ideas for the books, which are fantastic because vegetables are over, we understand. Yes, of course. And to look back on it, knowing that he's a Lannister from Game of Thrones, right. kind of go, that's kind of cool. His small role, no pun intended, he's really fantastic in, in the movie. And I just love what he says when he's like, hey, Jackweed, I get more action in a week than you've had in your entire life. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. <laughs> He's that, and that was it. <laughs> there it goes. And then it's on, exactly. The great thing about Peter Dinklage is he's from New Jersey, too. He's about 30 minutes down the road from me. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. You'd never guess, I guess. I thought he was a Brit in Game of Thrones, so I, I really did. I thought he was British. I, oh, well, I there you no go. Idea. Ed Asner as Santa. And they wanted Ed Asner as Santa, right? Yeah. I mean, those were the those were the two that they really wanted. They wanted Bob Newhart as mm-hmm. Papa Elf, and they wanted Ed Asner as Santa. And they got those two things. And and he was pretty good. He's so gruff. And uh, yeah. I, I thought he played this part, though, very well and didn't come across as the mean old guy that he often does. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really good. I love near the end of the movie when he's showing Michael the nice list. All of the people on Santa's list actually worked on the movie, which is a cool little... Uh, Easter egg. And he wanted a real huff board. If you remember when he when he showed him the book, uh-huh. well, um, that was actually the real is the name of the board is the brand name of the board. The huff board is named after a skateboarder who is actually John Favreau's friend. Okay, did some work on the movie. That's kind of cool. I just love Will Ferrell's innocence and some of the things he does in the movie, like when he answers Walter's phone. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? That's something that my wife Sue does at work this time of year. (laughs) She gets closer to the holiday. She starts to have a little fun with her coworkers. She'll do that and people will be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Does she actually say Buddy the Elf? Yeah, I love Elf. I love Will Ferrell in this. Uh, Everybody involved in this is great. We didn't even talk about Zoe Deschanel. And, you know, she's a a great big part of this movie and, you know, her singing and everything. There's just something about like those big doe eyes. And (laughs) yes, again, with this movie, I think there's something about the innocence. She plays somebody who seems real innocent and Mm -hmm. it's it's a real nice thing to see. That's what makes this a Christmas classic, I think, is that there's this wholesomeness, this innocence to it. There's not malice. There's not meanness in this movie. And I think that helps everyone feel good. And that's what a holiday movie is supposed to be. Yeah. And for me, honestly, the behind the scenes stuff and and realizing how much goes into getting a movie done. Mm-hmm. You think about the screenplay for this was written in 1993. It didn't get produced till 
2003. And if you talk to anybody in Hollywood, they will tell you that it just takes forever to get anything done. And this is just another example of that. I mean, 10 years in the making and then finally when it gets made and it becomes a, a Christmas classic and Will Ferrell becomes a major superstar movie guy because of this movie. John Favreau, because of this movie, just launches into the stratosphere. So it's wonderful to see, especially from a movie like this that has these good, feel-good, wholesome moments in it. Yeah. Sometimes it's a blessing the movies don't get made right away because they can end up being the wrong people involved. I think the people that are in this movie and the people behind the scenes of this movie were the right people for it. Great movie. Uh, definitely worth watching every year with uh, with some of the other Christmas classics. And they really nailed it with this one, I think, for sure. Yeah. And as you said, the uh, if you have Netflix watch the movies that made us that's a pretty good backstory yep and watch the bonus features on the dvd if you own that absolutely well les i really appreciate you sitting in for another episode and we got to do more of these now that maybe you have a little more time and stuff always a pleasure resignation might pay off yes (laughs) always a pleasure i'm not just saying this because it's the holiday season when you say these kind of things because you know i say this every time i talk to you I'm so grateful for your friendship and for your your presence in my life. It's been it's always been inspirational and it's always been a blessing. So thank you, sir. I love you too, my friend. Listen, thanks everybody for listening. Happy holidays and wishing you a happy, healthy and prosperous 2022 and beyond as well. You can find us on Twitter at Jason Davis Voice. Email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Also, please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voiceover for a commercial, internet or corporate video, e-learning, phone messages, and more. Thanks for listening. Santa, I know him!